here to be here. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Happy New Year. Look at your other neighbor and say, Sorry, I just completely dished you and chose someone else over you. That's just funny. I love that every time I do that. Uh, it's Christmas is over. New Year's is, uh, of course, here. And before you know it, Easter is going to be here. So I've got, a, I've got an opening monologue here to give you in reference to Easter. Uh, and I just think that it's, it's hilarious. It goes like this. There's these three very intellectually challenged people. Uh, we like to call them Oklahoma Sooners, but they're very, very Oklahoma. Okay, that one went better because the first gathering I said Texas A&M and it did not go so well. But anyway, uh, these people were just mentally challenged, if I could say that, and love them anyway because Jesus loves them. But anyway, they died. They passed away. They get to the pearly gates of heaven and St. Pete says, hey, I'll let you guys in. Even though you're Sooner fans, I'll let you in if you can answer one simple question. And of course, they're like, okay, what's the question? And the question is, what is Easter? First one raises his hand. That's easy. That's easy. It's a celebration in November where everybody gets together and eat. No, sir, that is not the answer, but thank you for playing. The next one says, I got this. I got this, Pete. I know what Easter is. Easter is that holiday in December where you put up a nice tree and you exchange gifts. Pete's disappointed said, no, boomer sooner, that is not the answer. So he looked at the third one and said, I guess you think that you have an answer. Yes, sir, I do. I do have an answer. And so the third sooner smiles confidently and says, Easter is a Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish celebration of Passover. The Romans took Jesus to be crucified and he was hung on the cross and he was buried in a nearby cave which was sealed off by a large boulder. And Pete was smiling from ear to ear. He just kind of looked over the edge of his glasses and leaned in and said, you're doing good. And so, and so the Sooner fan continues and he said, and every year the boulder is moved aside so that Jesus can come out. And if Jesus sees his shadow, there's only six more weeks of winter. Come on, somebody. So here's the, here's the thing. That's got absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. I just think that it's hilarious. <laughs> and I want to let you know that every Sunday should be Easter Sunday because Jesus is alive. Put your hands together and celebrate. Yes. Let me say a quick prayer. Lord, let me preach real good. And whenever I say that, Lord, I mean let me get out of your way. This is your day. This is your people. This is your house. This is your word. Everything that we do today is centered around you and upon you, Lord. And we surrender our hearts and our lives to you. And Lord, we say yes to your word even before we understand the details of your word today because your word is never going to steer us in a wrong direction. So open our hearts to receive your word. And we pray this in the mighty name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everybody in the house says amen. So a couple of times today, I'm going to get you to repeat after me, and we're going to begin that way today. Uh, and so everybody say, he was 16 years old and devilishly handsome. Talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> I really was. I was striking. I had a bit of a mullet that, as you well know, says business in the front and party in the back. Come on. I didn't wear a gold chain. Friends, I wore two. Had the herringbone and the rope. Yeah, you know exactly those days that I'm talking about. I was really the envy of most southern gentlemen. And on one particularly warm Louisiana Saturday night, I was riding around with a friend of mine named Skip Stroud. And he sees a friend of his named Shelly Slater. And Shelly was riding around in a red convertible Mustang with her friend, Stephanie Mercer. Skip looks at me and says, hey, I know that girl. You want to go see if we can ride around with them? And I looked at Skip and I said, 
No, Skip, I'd rather sit here in this car with you and ride around with you, wishing that we were riding around with girls. Yes, let's go ride with them. And so I jumped in the back seat with the pretty one, so Skip would have to jump in the front seat with the ugly one. But anyway, long story made short, even though Stephanie had a boyfriend that she was uh, courting, my game was strong, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it, it was strong. And before the end of the night, that night would end in one utterly ravishing kiss. Now, I know that this is family weekend, so we're just going to leave it right there. But anyway, that moment, way back in high school, in that moment, I'm, I'm not thinking what kind of a long-term significance is this going to have. I'm just, well, you know, she's beautiful and she's blonde and we're in a red Mustang and Jesus loves us all. Let's just have a good time here, you know. And I'm, and I'm looking back, but looking back, listen guys, it was that one moment, that one Moment that seemed so small and it seemed so insignificant in that context when a mullet sporting stallion called Russ would connect with Stephanie who had hair that was big enough that she could have been in a white snake video in around 1989. Come on, headbangers ball. Yeah, if you're, if you're, yes, yeah, some of you are as old as I, thank you, yes. But in that moment, that one small moment, it ended up making such a difference in my life because that night I held her hand. And that night I kissed her lips. I'm sorry, I'm just going to just call it like it is, ladies and gentlemen. And yesterday we celebrated 28 years of marriage. Come on now. Right? One moment. One insignificant moment that changed my life, it changed her life, it changed my family's life, and it changed her family's life. As Malcolm Gladwell would call it, was a tipping point, right, that would end up causing radical changes and having a a radical level of significance in my life. It's crazy, isn't it? How one moment can change everything. You know what's amazing, and I want you to catch this now. This principle is true in just about every area of our life because what seems to be a small beginning can result in a fantastic ending. What seems to be an insignificant origin can result in a very significant destination. For example, if you have an, an iPhone in your purse or in your pocket, would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah, see, Jesus loves you, right? Jesus loves because Jesus loves Apple products. But it's a company that be, began in a, in a garage, and now it has more annual revenue than many countries' gross national product. It began in a garage. One moment. Microsoft. Even though it's vastly less cool than all things Apple, it also began in a garage. And if you're an Android guy, Jesus he still loves you. We preach grace and mercy here. It's fine. But those things were small and they grew into something massive. And I recently read a book about Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon. It started out as a small concept, a small idea. And now it's the largest retailer in the world. One 
unlikely beginning. One small moment that led to something that's changed, literally has changed the world. And I could go on and on and on and give you hundreds more examples and stories about how a seed has significance. That's the title of the message here this morning is you never can underestimate a seed's significance. I can tell you more stories like this one. This is where Harley Davidson began. You'll see this picture. It's a company that is so huge that they literally produce hundreds of thousands of motorcycles. They've even got their own little subculture. You know, everybody that rides the bikes like wears the gear, you know, and, and has the bandanas and they go to Sturgis and all this different kind of stuff. And it happened because it all started right here. One insignificant little woodshed, right? And from that we have, we have witnessed the growth of this thing called Harley-Davidson. I could give you story after story and we could even talk about personal stories I could give you individual stories of significance like the story about Simone Biles of this past United States Olympic team. I could tell you how she's a three-time world all-around champion. I could tell you how she's a four-time U.S. national champion. And she's a part of the U.S. team that won the most recent gold all-around gold competition. And if it's, I would tell you about her accomplishments and how her career is sort of coming to, the, to an end, you know. And, and I could tell you about how amazing, how powerful, how significant that her career is. But if you would go back to the beginning of the story, I would have to tell you about Simone and her three siblings and how their story began because they were born to drug-addicted parents. And the dad says, I want nothing to do with this. I'm out. And he just checked out and he, he, he was gone. And the mom continued to choose her drugs over her children. And so Simone was bounced back and forth between state care and foster care until her grandparents adopted her. And in that moment, listen, in that moment, it changed everything because they introduced her to gymnastics. And you see the result. And they also introduced her to the Christian faith. And not only is she a champion in gymnastics, she's a champion in her faith. But it all goes back to that one moment whenever her, her grandparents said, Hey, come and, live, come and live with us. So my point in taking up some time to set this up is to get you to understand that what seems like a small beginning can result in a fantastic ending. What seems to, to be a, an insignificant origin can result in an absolutely very significant destination. Why? Because we serve a God who specializes in stories of growth and transformation and the church loudly says amen to that. We serve a God who specializes in stories of growth and transformation because in God's economy everything is different. In God's economy, big futures become, come from, from humble beginnings. And in God's economy, big doors open on small hinges. And in the kingdom of God, God specializes in taking something that seems so insignificant and so small. And he will bless it and he will grow it. And it turns into something that is vastly significant. In Matthew chapter 13, we get a picture of this kingdom significance. We get this spiritual Instagram type of an image that helps us realize what the kingdom really looks like. And so I saved my, my communion wafer this morning before we read this. I just want to show you this because this, what this scripture is about to do here is it's about to give you a visualization of what the kingdom of God is all about. Because a lot of times we struggle we're like, yeah, that sounds really cool, but what, is, what, is, what do you think it would look like in, in my life? 
And so a lot of times we do good by, by visualizing what's really happening here. And so Pastor Mitch said, get the communion wafer out. And he, and he instructed us to break it. And I always do the same thing at, at Acacia. And I, and, I, and I break the wafer and I just hold it up like that. And I just, I just worship. I look at it and I worship God because this is, this is an illustration of Calvary. This is an illustration of the Son of God coming and saying, yes, I'll be strung up on a cross because they're worth it. He was broken for us. He was bruised for us. This is an image. This is a symbolic reference of something that is vastly, vastly powerful. And that's what is going on right here in Matthew. Jesus is teaching and he's preaching. And he's, and he's saying, guys, this is what it could look like for you. This is what it could be like for you. So he goes like this. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And talking about the mustard seeds, he said, It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And I love how Matthew is so visual with it, right? He says, guys, this is what it's like. This is what it can be like for you. This is what it can, you can step into and you can realize this is what my life would look like if I stepped into the kingdom of God. This is what my life would be like because I like reading scriptures like that because I do better with images versus like the details of the instructions, right? One time Stephanie and I put together a, it was like, it was called a sports center for our kids. It was one of those things where you can like shoot the basketball and then it returns to you or you can play ping pong or shoot a nuclear rocket. It does all kinds of things with this one little one and all situation. And we, we get the, the, the instructions out on Christmas Eve and it was, I kid you not, 162 pages. It is at that point that I said, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly right now, right? I do better by looking at things rather than reading the small, the small print of things. And so... Um, the story goes like this. I want you to repeat after me. He was now 26 years old and still devilishly handsome. Yeah, uh-huh. So I'd given up the mullet because it was really nothing more than a white man's neck fro is what I like to call it. I'd given up the ghost because it was just this, I would take a shower and it would look so cool. Like it would, my hair was wet and it would just kind of hang down and it would be like, you know, kind of do my hair like that in the mirror, look at all cool. But it would dry up and it was just this terrible situation. But anyway, I digress. Um, you didn't need to know all that information. I'm sorry about that. But we had just given birth to our second child. Really, Stephanie had done the, the heavy lifting. I was just there for moral support. But whenever you have multiple children, I don't know if they've told you this, but you have to buy multiple things. Like, you, you've got the, the, the baby bed from, from baby number one, but that won't really work for baby number two because it, we, we got to get the baby a bed. You know, it's, it's a whole new thing. And so we, we had to get the baby a new stroller. And so Stephanie comes to me. She says, you are so manly and so awesome, and you build things, and you're strong. Honey, would you please take this stroller and put it together and provide for our children? And I said, yeah, yeah, yes, I will. And so I went out there, and I looked at this box and I looked at the picture on the front of this box and I said stroller I will I will own you I will dominate you and so I I got all of the parts out and I laid them before me <laughs> and I began to to put things together and I would look at the picture and I would say well this goes here and I would look at the picture and I would say well that goes there and I got the stroller together and I said honey come look what I have done and so she comes outside and she says it's nice honey but why do you have all these extra parts out here 
Some of you guys know exactly. And some of you ladies are like, are you listening to the preacher? He's the man of God. Listen. And so I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, well, honey, they just, those are extra parts in case, you know, something goes afoot. And they're just, they're just, they're being kind. And then finally I look at her and I just said, woman, are you doubting me in this moment? You know, I mean, I don't understand what's happening. And she says, let me say the directions. And with my mongoose-like reflexes, I grabbed the directions and I ran inside and I got a lighter and I burned them so she could not prove me wrong. Come on, somebody. I do not recommend this in a marriage. <laughs> but anyway, the kid's 21 years old. She survived, right? You know, I did good. Yeah, I did good. But my point is, I do better by looking at things and saying, okay, that's how it's supposed to go rather than just reading some of the details of how things are supposed to go. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in Matthew. He's saying, guys, look, this is how it can look for you whenever you get into the kingdom of God. Jesus is helping paint a picture for us by saying, here's what the kingdom of God it looks like. Here's, Listen, watch this and let me show you. It's where the will of God becomes the will of man. It's a place where the spiritual nature of things in heaven are just like the spiritual nature of things on earth. And, and it's all of this is when you become, you, you become this person that is growing and you're, and you're increasing inside of the presence of God Almighty and you're moving forward in all areas of your spirituality. But it is at this point that a lot of you are just like tapping the brakes, right? Because you're like, man, now I believe God can do a lot of things for a lot of people like that. But I've got this sketchy past, you know, and... Um, I really don't see myself as being necessarily qualified for kingdom activity. And I really can't see myself in that kind of a role. I mean, I can see where God can do that for some other people. I get that because he's God and he can do whatever he wants to do, right? But my story really doesn't have a great beginning, Pastor Russ. And, and I'm not sure how all of this can really get forward traction in, in my life. But listen, guys, I'm here this morning to try to convince you, get your foot off of the brake and lean in this morning because regardless of how insignificant you deem your beginning, God has a brand new future for you to step into. Put your hands together and celebrate that, right? That's, what, that's where God is leading you today because here's the deal. Some of you went into 2018 and you're just like, this is my year. Right? I'm going to make millions of dollars, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over all the land for the name of Jesus, and it's going to be my year. And then around February, right? and around, around April, oh, you get, you get punched in the gut. And around September, the devil just comes up and just kicks your legs right out from underneath you. And you find yourself in that state of mind where you're just like, if I can just get through the end of this year and try to turn the page again and start over, that's exactly what God has sent me to encourage you to buy into this morning. He wants you to realize that, that term fresh start. He wants you to realize today is the day that you can just say yes to the word of the Lord. And you can just say, I want a fresh start in my walk with him. And I want a fresh start in my expectation of him. Because he's got great things in store for me. He's going to plant something inside of me that's going to become significant. Right? 
So whenever you're talking about a mustard seed, you're like, yeah, I kind of get that, but I really don't get that because I don't grow a lot of my crops, man. I just go down to H-E-B and get some tortillas and some salsa, call it a day, right? I mean, it is what it is. But to this ancient audience, this mustard seed was a very common image. It was a very common thing because they planted it and they harvested it all times throughout the year. And the mustard seed was one of the smallest in the seeds that was planted in this Palestinian fields. But common logic would tell you the smaller the seed the smaller the expectation. Like, I mean, it's a small seed. I can't expect too much of this, right? I mean, I'm going to plant it in here, and it's probably going to grow, but, but I can't really expect it to become too much. But, but you're missing the point. Just as the mustard seed was famous for its tiny size during planting time, it was equally famous for how rapid it grew and how large it grew into harvest time. So watch the application here. Catch this. The mustard seed is a humble beginning. The mustard seed is a proverbial kiss on a warm Louisiana summer night. The mustard seed is a startup business in a garage that becomes a huge company. The mustard seed is the child of drug addicts who gets thrown into the foster care system and eventually becomes a literal Olympic champion. The mustard seed, you know what the mustard seed is? The mustard seed is you. And it's you. And it's you. Because we struggle with this. Listen, let me be honest. We struggle with this because like, I don't think that there's a one of you who would stand up and say, I just disagree with what you're saying right now, preacher. But most of us would say, it just seems like it would work better on somebody else. Because I've got this thing that no one really knows about. And I've got this struggle that I struggle with. And and I get what you're saying, but I don't understand how it could happen for me. But listen, here's the whole message. The mustard seed is small, but the mustard seed is a seed. It's not a mustard rock. It's a seed. What do seeds do? Seeds grow. Seeds increase. There's transformation that happens. Seeds have potential. Seeds have life. Growth, listen, is simply in the nature of a seed. That's what seeds do. So the point of this text, and what I've come to attempt to preach to you this morning, you'll see it on the screen. The significance of the seed is never determined by the size of the seed. Would you please burn that into your mind Maybe get a tattoo of it on your face. I don't know. Somehow hold on to this and realize the significance of the seed, significance of the seed is never determined from the size of the seed. God wants to take something, plant it inside of you, and do something supernatural. Hit the brake. How could God do something like that inside of me? If that's your question, listen. If that's your question, then you're in good territory because that's the same question that Mary had. Angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to conceive and you're going to give birth to the Messiah and it's going to be this whole thing, man. It's going to be a really cool story. What was her first response? Well, how is this going to happen? How will this be? Well, it's a supernatural encounter. So whenever you set yourself up to encounter the supernatural, you've got to set yourself up to encounter the supernatural, Right? What if God is, is wanting to plant something inside of you that just changes your life 
in 2019. I'm here to tell you it can happen. It can happen. I'm I'm a living believer that God takes something small and grows it into something that is life-changing and life-giving. Because I'm a living example of it because he called us to go plant a church called Acacia Church in Baton Rouge. So we're living in, 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 in Austin, and things are going great. And God says, hey, Russ, go and plant a church in Baton Rouge. And I was like, hey, God, you serious? I'm scared to death. What do I do? I don't know how to do that. And so I went, and, uh, and so we started holding interest meetings in our home. And uh, literally people would come and knock on the door and say, hey, I heard you guys are starting a church. And, and we're like, uh, yeah, sure, come on in. And children's ministries down the hall, you know, in one of the bedrooms. It's a little bit weird, I know, but that's how weird it was. And so we just got this rented facility. And I remember the first day that we went to the rented facility, I went over in the, in the hedges and I literally went like that. Nothing came up, but I was wanting something to come up because I was so nervous. I was like, what if my wife doesn't even come to church? What if my kids say, Dad, you're a terrible preacher. We're going to go somewhere else in Baton Rouge. I mean, I didn't know, right? I didn't know. But God had planted something inside of me, and he was going to use it to do great and amazing things. So watch this. Watch this. This morning. Everybody say this morning. This morning. A village, an entire village in Cambodia woke up and had access to clean drinking water because Acacia Church pulled all of our efforts and we went and we dug a well over there. So a small, a, a small church plant, right? A small, an insignificant small church plant feeding, making a difference in the lives of people that we will never have an opportunity to meet. But that's the kingdom of God. That's how it happens. Just this recent, we partnered with somebody called Caring to Love. It's this group that deals with unplanned pregnancies. And I went and I talked with the people. And we just went and we just gave them several thousand dollars. And we said, you guys are doing such an amazing thing. Keep being awesome. Keep making a difference in, in, in the lives of human beings. And so she told me, she said, you don't understand how important it is for you to partner with us. Because just over the last two months, November and December, the lady told me last week, November and December, 110 women decided to give birth instead of having abortion because of this one company that we're partnering with. That's, folks, that's life change. That's real life change. And not long ago, God spoke to pastors Mitch and Brandy, and they were also in Austin. And they were getting a nice, comfortable paycheck and a healthy, growing church. Things were great. And God said, hey, Mitch, won't you quit everything, sell everything, and go start a church in Bernie? Like, Bernie needs a church so bad they can't even spell Bernie. It's Boerni, right? Yeah. Like, everybody looks at you know that they're not from here. They're like, Bo, e, uh, but, it, but, you know, it's Bernie, right? And, 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 and so they did. And, and, and now you guys, hundreds of people have come to know the Lord because of City Hills Church. Hundreds of people's lives are different because of this seed that has been planted in the kingdom of God. Right? And so one last thing. Henry, if you'll come help me, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I'll be done. So, you, so you're hearing this grand story and you're like, yeah, that sounds cool. I think God can do it for somebody else, but I don't know if he can do it for me. One last thing, listen. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament, Jesus is teaching and preaching. And, and, and he's preaching, the scripture says he's preaching to 5,000 men plus women and children. And so supper time rolls around and tummies are growling. And the disciples said, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? What's going to happen at this point? How are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus said, well, I don't know. What do we have to work with here? And one of the guys said, well, there is this little boy. 
Now, we don't hear it the same way they did because back in the ancient days, the little boy was pretty much useless. I mean, you couldn't go to war. You couldn't go out in the fields and, like, produce anything. You're just eating and taking up space. I mean, children were despised back in that day because of this. And so Jesus said, well, what do we have to work with? Well, there is this insignificant little boy. Okay, what does the insignificant little boy have? What, what do we have to work with? Well, not very much. I'll put it in the South Texas translation. He's just got a couple of tortillas and, and like, you know, a fish taco. I don't, it's not very much to work with, God. Well, let's see what we have to work with. And so he goes. Scripture says that he gives thanks. And then he breaks the bread. He breaks the loaves. He breaks the fishes. And he says, hey, Thomas, come here. You get this. You go up there to that top section because some people came in late and they're sitting up there. And then, Bart, you go up here to the middle section because there's a lot of people up there. And then, come here, Peter. You guys, y'all go get these two baskets and y'all cover this whole area. And they went and they gave out all of these different food. They, they fed 5,000 men plus women and children. They fed a significant crowd with an insignificant seed. Because whenever Jesus comes into the picture, whatever you have that you think is insignificant, it immediately changes to significance. Because in our economy, last thing that I'll show you, and then I'm going to pray. In our economy, 5 plus 2 equals 7. But in God's economy, 5 plus 2 equals 5,000 with a remainder of 12. One moment. One decision. One moment that seems so insignificant can turn out to be the tipping point that changes everything for your life. And so this has not been the typical presentation of the gospel this morning. But before I pray, I want to let, I want to let you know that if you're here and you've not ever said yes to Jesus, that needs to happen this morning. On a seemingly insignificant Sunday where it's like 400 below zero outside and it's, it's raining and everybody's just a little bit bitter and angry because it's so cold and nasty out there. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go to church with you so that you'll hush because you said you're just going to buy me a hamburger after I'm going and so I'll go to church with you. And you may think that it's just another ordinary Sunday, but listen, this may be that Sunday that you finally and fully say yes to Jesus and you finally and fully surrender your heart to the Lord and if you've already got a relationship with him and you just think yeah other people are serving and other people can do great things but I just don't know about me let me tell you today's that day that you need to make that decision and finally and fully surrender and say yes I want to be a part of the kingdom of God I want you to plant something supernatural inside of me it seems so small in the moment, but I realize it's going to grow and it's going to, become, going, to, going to become something absolutely amazing. So all across the building, if you don't mind, quickly please stand and bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, if there's somebody in this building right now that they've never received you, they've never accepted you, they've never said yes to you. They've never said, Lord, forgive me of my sins and let me turn from my old ways and let me have a fresh start. Lord, would you, would you just hear their prayer this morning? Would you just open up your arms this morning and just and let them walk into that, to that relationship with you that's going to change their lives forever? Lord, we turn from our old ways. We turn from the things that are used to, used to hold us captive. We turn from the, the things in 2018 that have held us down and we say yes to the future that is going to be found in 2019 because you're going to do a new thing 
you're going to do a new thing. You're going to do a new thing. And Lord, for those of us in here that we're walking with you and we're talking with you, but maybe 2018 was not the year that we envisioned, but Lord, because of this word this morning, we, we have high expectations and we have hope for what 2019 may bring us. We realize that you're doing something new. We realize that you're doing something fresh, Lord. And so we want to step into that moment right now. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everybody in the house said in Jesus' name. Everybody in the house, put your hands together and celebrate what God's done for us here.